It's Scary Parish. It's Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Cal Boone is here with me. Strong jaw. And it's a big development in the world of college basketball recruiting tonight. Amani Bates, a consensus top five prospect in the class of 2021, the most heralded uncommitted prospect in the country is no longer uncommitted. He has announced a commitment to the University of Memphis, which means Penny Hardaway is now going to enroll the number one recruiting class in the country for the second time in a three-year span. In 2019, that class was headlined by James Wiseman and Precious Achua. This class headlined by Imani Bates and Jalen Duran. Kyle, you had written about the Imani Bates situation earlier in the week and predicted, like most others, that Imani Bates would land at Memphis. Uh, so no surprise, but we did take a twisted path to get here. For people who might be unfamiliar, it was reported by Travis Branham at 24-7 Sports yesterday, on Tuesday, that Imani Bates would be announcing a commitment on Wednesday. Then Imani Bates' father, Elgin Bates, he woke up on Wednesday morning. He was big mad. He had, somebody had leaked something. And he was furious and suggested that the announcement would no longer happen. Instead, we'd be doing this on Friday night, which is fine with me. I got nothing else to do. So I was planning on Friday night. Then at some point on Wednesday afternoon, Imani Bates' name showed up on the University of Memphis White Pages directory, which suggested he was already enrolled at the University of Memphis. So we had this weird situation where a prospect who had not yet publicly committed to a school was theoretically already enrolled in a school. At that point, I imagine they just decided, let's go on and do this thing. So Monty Bates jumped on Instagram a little before six o'clock central and announced he will join his friend and former teammate Jalen Duran at the University of Memphis. For those wondering, I have pushed the Tigers into the top 10 of the top 25 and one. I've got them seventh to be specific. Big development for Penny, big development for the program. Your initial thoughts on what happened today? A wild turn of events for sure. Um, woke up this morning. I saw the news that his dad had decided to push the commitment back to Friday. I thought, okay, I'll be on vacation. So I've got a pre-written story. Um, uh, it'll be ready to roll. I actually did do some internet sleuthing myself this morning at around like 10 o'clock, looked on Memphis's white pages to see, okay, you know, there was a, I guess a report out there from Tate Frazier that, that Imani Bates had a Memphis email. So Look out there. It was not out there um, this afternoon. It was out there. And so clearly something changed between this morning and this afternoon. Um, and then obviously this evening, we get kind of the surprise an announcement that Imani Bates on Instagram Live um, is, is disrupting all of this. He's not waiting till Friday. He's, he's committing tonight. And so I put down my dinner. I came running back to my office and made sure that uh, the story was published it's it's what we expected to your point you know i think the signs were there that he was going to memphis but just kind of a a dramatic turn of events for uh, imani bates and uh it, it's nonetheless a huge announcement for for memphis and for penny um it gives memphis two top five recruits in this class the number one recruiting class in the country um so yeah it's it's worth all the hubbub even if it was uh, a lot of hubbub um as soon as I posted Amani Bates has committed to Memphis and now Penny Hardaway is enrolling, 
two of the top five prospects in the class of 2021. These are two young people who were originally ranked number one and number two in the class of 2022. Both have reclassified and are now ranked lower, I think, accurately um, than uh, Chet Holmgren and Paulo Bencaro. Um, but there are of the top five players in the class of 2001, according to 2021, according to 24 seven sports, only four of them are enrolling in college. One is going to the G league. So Memphis is enrolling two of the top four incoming freshmen in the country. And again, the number one recruiting class in the country. And as soon as I post this immediately, uh, fans of different schools start with the disparaging remarks, which are unsurprising. And I only bring this up because I do think it's important to note, not because I'm trying to give attention to people who don't deserve it, but you immediately get, oh, they must be cheating at Memphis. Cause how do you go get Jalen Duran and Amani Bates to come to the university of Memphis? And the answer to that question is name, image, and likeness rights yeah, are yeah. now a reality. In other words, you don't have to cheat to get things like this done anymore. Um, you can just get it done by making sure a young person and his family understands what is available um, if he plays college basketball for your university. To be clear, uh, my understanding is that Imani Bates is going to be a millionaire while he's playing college basketball at Memphis. And Jalen Duran is going to be a millionaire while he's playing college basketball at Memphis. If not, it'll be very, very close. I was told weeks ago that Jalen Duran had a million dollar contract on the table from the G League. And by enrolling in Memphis, he would not be leaving money on the table. So these young people are going to make an incredible amount of money while at the University of Memphis. But it's all legal now. It's all legal now. And so there was a time where, let's just be honest, if you were going to get something like this done, you might have had to cheat. But those times are over with. With name, image, and likeness rights being a reality, there are legal ways to make sure people can be heavily compensated to enroll at your school and play for your program. And that is precisely what has happened first with Jalen Duran, secondly, with Imani Bates. It's not to suggest, by the way, that it came down to money and nothing but money because they can make money anywhere, perhaps more money at Memphis than some other places, but money anywhere. I don't want to discount what the role of playing for Penny Hardaway, uh, what, what role that serves, the staff additions of Larry Brown, Rashid Wallace, combined with Cody Topper, another assistant who did work in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns. You know, Jalen Duran and Imani Bates, I imagine their dream isn't to go to a Final Four. It's to play in the NBA, to win an NBA championship. And there is no staff in America that has more NBA stuff connected to it than the University of Memphis staff. That's just a fact. So I do think that that matters to some degree, but I also don't want to be naive. Both of these prospects and their families know there's a lot of money to be made at Memphis, and that's at least on the list of reasons they're now at the University of Memphis. But if you're out there tweeting about rule violations and cheating, you just don't understand how the entire game has changed this offseason. Yeah, inject that outcry straight into my veins because it is it is an outdated uh, complaint at this point, you know, pre NIL era. I get it. You know, if if Memphis is enrolling James Wiseman, I guess he's a, he's a Memphis native. So that made sense. He's staying home, but 
still Memphis getting the number one recruit in the class. It's like, wow, that, uh, that looks interesting. But now it's like, okay, it, everything is above board. If Imani Bates decides he can make six figures, seven figures going to the university of Memphis, that's above board. So, um, I, th- I think to your point, um, the NBA connections that Memphis has had to have been appealing specifically for Jalen Duran and Imani Bates. Bates, I think notoriously has, there's been some questioning about his coaching and development over the last few years. He has long been identified as a can't miss prospect, even since like 14, 15 years old. Um, but he's at least on the grassroots circuit and at, the high school level has not always been surrounded by the best talent. He's not always had the best coaching around him. So I think what Memphis is able to offer Imani Bates and Jalen Dern specifically um, is, is pretty appealing. Now, obviously he's going to be able to cash in on his name, image and likeness more so than, than most prospects, especially players his age. Um, But the idea that he's going to get top level development, he's going to be able to add to his strength and conditioning Everything that he wants to be able to do to get to the next level, which is obviously getting to the NBA, I think Memphis can offer and, and I think reasonably can offer just as well as just about any program in the country. Yeah, two of the uh, things that have been suggested about the perceived stall in the development of Imani Bates over the past couple of years is that he hasn't been surrounded, as you noted, with comparable talent and he hasn't been coached perhaps the way he needed to be coached. I I can't speak to the specifics of that. I've never been in the gym with him. I mean, I've seen him play on the grassroots circuit, but in terms of what kind of instruction he's getting in a gym at practice, I've never been involved in that. I'm just telling you what basketball people say. At the age of 15, Amani Bates was being called a generational talent and the next Kevin Durant. And the truth is, at the age of 17, he's grown some and, you know, added some weight, not enough, but some. Um, but he, uh, in many ways, doesn't look much different at 17 than he looked at 15. That is what a lot of evaluators will tell you. And that is what my own eyes suggested to me as well, which is not to suggest he's not special. Like he, he was special at 15 and he's special at 17. But the jump you would like a prospect to take from 15 to 17, in a lot of people's eyes, he didn't make that jump. And so the question was, why? I do think some of it's just pandemic induced. You know, he missed an entire thing of grassroots in ways that nobody else ever had. That's a factor. I do think some of it is that he played on a largely on a grassroots team that had no comparable talent, Um, a, a prep school team, academy that had no comparable talent. And you know, if John Calipari and Mike Krzyzewski for years have recruited by in part telling prospects, come here and practice every day against the best. That's how you'll get better. There's something to that. And if you've got nobody to push you daily, um, you can understand how you might get um, a little, I don't want to say complacent, but just if nobody's pushing you, you, it's, it can be difficult to get better. Well, now you come to Memphis and not only do you get coached by Penny Hardaway, but like Larry Brown is in the gym with you every day. This is a Hall of Fame coach who is the only person in the history of the planet to ever win an NCAA championship and NBA title. That guy's in the gym with you every day. And you're 
for the first time ever in a gym every day with people who can push you. Like Jalen Duran is also a likely lottery pick, just like you. But then, and to me, this is the real reason Memphis has a chance to do something special and the biggest difference between 2019 and now. It's not just about the other freshmen, Jonathan Lawson, Josh Minot. They bring back Landers Nolly. They bring back DeAndre Williams. They bring back Lester Quinones. They enroll a transfer from Miami named Earl Timberlake. There's older guys, more experienced guys. Like if you told me I could have one person's future, Amani Bates or Landers Nolly, I would want Amani Bates' future. If you told me to pick who's going to be the leading scorer at Memphis, I might go Landers Nolly over Imani Bates. So now you're in a gym every day with a third-year wing who has already been the leading scorer on a team that finished 31st at Ken Palm. So the coaching is now there. The comparable talent in the gym is now there. And the roster balance that Memphis can combine with NBA talent is the type of thing that gives them a chance to be special. The truth is in the history of college basketball, the number one recruiting class doesn't often win a national championship, but there are two examples when it did 2012 and 2015. And everybody remembers in 2012 that that Kentucky team was led by one and duns, Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Marcus T. What fewer people remember is that three of the top six scores were not freshmen. They had roster balance. Some of Cal's other teams are like five of the top six are first-year players. But Cal's best teams at Kentucky, they've got real roster balance. His national championship team had roster balance. Fast forward 2015 at Duke. Everybody remembers the one-and-dones. Tyus Jones, Jalil Okafor, Justice Winslow, three lottery picks. That team was led by freshmen. The team also had Quinn Cook. Three of the top six on that Duke national championship team were non-freshmen. And I say all that to say that's precisely what this Memphis team looks like. Yes, Jalen Duran, Amani Bates are going to get a lot of attention. But the presence of DeAndre Williams, Landers Nolly, Lester Quinones, to a lesser degree, Alex Lomax, a transfer like Chandler Lawson, who has already been a rotation player for back-to-back 12 championship teams at Oregon. He's now in the program. Earl Timberlake, somebody, some people, Jonathan Gavoni at ESPN projects as a first round draft pick in the 2022 NBA draft. He's in that program. This isn't just going to be a team led by freshmen. It might be led by freshmen, but they've got enough non-freshmen to create the type of roster balance that gives them a chance to be special. I'm not guaranteeing anything. That's crazy thing to do when you're talking about a single elimination tournament. I'm just telling you this team has the, requisite NBA talent combined with experience that it usually takes to march it all the way to the top. And what's so interesting to me is you look on paper recruiting rankings, you've got Jalen Duren, top five recruit, potential number one pick. Imani Bates, top five recruit, potential future number one pick in 2023. On paper, you know, it's almost like a Zion and RJ situation sure. where they go in and they are the guys from day one. They are going to be clearly top five picks and they're just alphas. That does, I mean, it's it's very possible next season that Jalen Duran and Imani Bates are just awesome. 
like from day one, they're the two guys that Memphis relies on the most. They're the most productive. I, I think it's more likely than not that it probably doesn't happen, that they're just very good, productive players, but maybe not the guys for Memphis next season. And I think that speaks more to what Memphis brings back and what it is enrolling as opposed to the profile and the production that Imani Bates and Jalen Duran are, are going to bring to the table. I, I think they're going to be awesome. They're going to have flashes next season where you say, oh, wow, you know, this guy obviously clearly is, is a guy that is going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. Um, I'm just not entirely sure. I mean, these are, these are younger guys joining an experienced roster um, with a lot of transfers, with guys coming back uh, from a really good Memphis team that won the NIT last season. And it's, it's going to be a really interesting scenario. Um, I, I think they're set up to thrive and survive in, in this environment. And I think for Imani Bates specifically, because this is Imani Bates pod, um, that atmosphere, that competition that he's going to face next season is going to be so, so good for him because the, the complaint, even going back to the last few years is just that his, his development has not completely, um, you know, it's, it's almost stagnated just a tad. And the, I think the talent around him has not been great. The coaching around him has not been great. Um, going to a Memphis program that has this coaching, this, this development staff, and then this competition, um, I think is going to be really, really good for his pro prospects. And next season, I think he's going to be just one of the most fascinating prospects to watch in college basketball. Yeah. I think you and I are mostly on the same page here. Um, Amani Bates has a chance to be Memphis's best player because I do believe he's a generational talent and he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. So he there are going to be times where he just takes over games. But if you told me he was their second leading scorer instead of leading scorer, third leading scorer instead of leading scorer, that, that wouldn't be crazy to me because of Landers Nolly and DeAndre Williams. And with Jalen Duran, like it is true that he's got a chance to be the number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft. I'd be surprised by it, but he's in the conversation, he might not be a top four score at Memphis next season because mm -hmm. of the presence of Landers, Nolly, DeAndre Williams, Imani Bates, like Lester Quinones can get double digits for it. I mean, he might be, I, I would, I would actually draw the line right there. Like over under is Jalen Duran a top three score at Memphis. And I think you could reasonably say over sure or, or under sure. Um, Too little. Well, I don't mean that. I just mean that he's not going to be asked to do anything that he's not comfortable doing. And right now, I think what he's most comfortable doing is rim protecting and 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 catching lobs and you know offensive rebounding and stick backs. And man, him and DeAndre Williams both you know attacking the offensive glass is really going to be something to to watch um, for Memphis. But it, it what's interesting is that. Again, Memphis could theoretically have the number one pick in the next two NBA drafts, and it's possible neither one of those guys will be their leading scorer mm -hmm. on this upcoming team. I think Bates has a chance to do it, obviously, but it's possible neither one would be, which is a pretty interesting thing to think about. I want to touch on something you, you mentioned in passing because Jalen Duran is going to be in the 2022 NBA draft, barring a surprise. Amani Bates will not. And it's not because he doesn't want to or because he's not ready. It's because he won't be eligible based on the current CBA. The rules are in place. 
that will not allow him to enter the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, long story, not so long. He's about a month too old. I mean, too young. He's about a month too young to enter the 2022 NBA draft. So he's got two years of something before he enters the NBA draft. And I know Memphis fans are excited that they believe that this means he's going to spend two years at the University of Memphis. And that's basically unheard of in college basketball now to get a talent like Amani Bates and have him for multiple years. And it is possible. In fact, I think probable that that is the way it'll go down, especially if things go well. But it is worth noting that his father, Elgin Bates, has made it clear whatever they decided today is a one year commitment. They promise nothing past that. So it's possible Imani Bates plays one year at Memphis and then decides to play one year at Oregon or one year at Michigan State or then go to the G League or just sit out and train. There's a million different ways he could do this. And I don't think any of them are terrible options. But I will say, if you're at Memphis and you're getting the money that you want, you've got the role that you want, and it's successful. In other words, Amani Bates develops as a prospect and the team has high level success, then you got to assume Memphis is in the driver's seat. Like, you know, leave well enough alone. If things are going well at Memphis, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to leave Memphis, especially when you can continue to grow your brand Uh, on the stage college basketball provides that if we're being honest, the G league simply does not, or sitting out in training simply does not. It doesn't mean that the G league is a bad option. Worked out fine for Jalen green, worked out fine for Jonathan Kaminga, but you do disappear. Whereas if you're playing college basketball, you don't disappear. You're on national television two days a week. So it is true that Memphis might have Amani Bates for two years, but I do think it's, it's, important to note that the nobody has promised that yet they're going to spend a year at Memphis and then they'll look at everything at the end of the year and perhaps go through this entire process again. Yeah. And if you think about it logically, if you're Imani Bates, you're going to Memphis, your earning power is potentially as, as big as any incoming recruit in all of college basketball. You are a, a very marketable player because of your pro potential because you're going to be a star of a top 10 team. Um, it, it would not make a lot of sense to me to go to Memphis one year and then bounce because go back to Zion Williamson. Zion was a star at Duke. Had he returned as a sophomore and now granted this is pre NIL, but had he returned as a sophomore, he would have had major, major earning power And if Imani Bates is anything that we expect of him as a freshman at Memphis, even if it's just in flashes, um, I I think the potential for him to grow his brand at Memphis where he starts um, could be, could be astronomical for him as a sophomore. Now there's been some buzz out there that he may consider going to the G league, that he may consider doing literally anything. He's only committed for one year. Um, and we'll see kind of how that works. I, I think something to keep in mind here is Imani, he's he's well within his rights to change his mind. And in fact, he's done that several times before. Remember, he was committed to Michigan State um, a year ago, and he backed away from his commitment um, earlier this year, decided to decommit and open up his recruitment. He's since reclassified. Now he's in the 2021 class, and now he's committed to Memphis. So Um, If he wants to change his mind, good on him. Uh, I think the ultimate goal is obviously for him to get to the NBA. How he'll do that to me, I think is, is 
probably best spent going to Memphis. The reason he committed to Memphis, obviously, because the, the coaching staff that he believed in can get him there. Um, and I don't imagine that change in a year, but if he doesn't have the experience that he wants, could definitely see him changing course and deciding, Hey, you know, the G league, you know, with Jalen green and Jonathan Kaminga, it worked well for them. I'll go do that. Or I saw some guys at Oregon and they've got a team that can win the PAC 12. I'll go try that. Um, it's a, it's a fluid situation, but you know, bigger picture here. I, I think next season at, at Memphis, um, is, is going to be, again, I think just a really, really fascinating kind of case study because he is a rare one-and-done talent who has two years left of whatever he wants to do. So what might Memphis look like on the court? What's a potential starting lineup this upcoming season? We're going to dive into that next. But first, let me tell you about Peloton. You know, some things are better at home, sleeping in your own bed, pausing movies. The list is long. And the thing I love most about Peloton is that it delivers a workout experience that you'd never imagine possible right in your own home. I, Gary Parrish, am a Peloton owner. I love it. And what I love is that it's always just right there. You got a spare 20 minutes, a spare hour. I can hop right on, jump in a class, and be pushed by world-class instructors. Sometimes I just ride on a scenic route. Other times I go hard. The community is fabulous, and it really does push you to keep going when you feel like you can't keep going. You can ride to certain kinds of musics, ride in classes with your favorite instructors. You can pretty much do whatever you want. Understand, when you purchase the Peloton bike, you get access to live classes and thousands more on demand, plus access to the app to get you moving anytime, anywhere. With a boot camp between nap times or a ride before brunch, you can seamlessly fit Peloton into your life. Bottom line, with the Peloton bike, there's nothing like working out from home. Learn more at OnePeloton.com, and new members can try Peloton classes free for 30 days at OnePeloton.com slash app. Terms apply. That's OnePeloton.com, O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. Okay, Strong Jaw, you familiar with Memphis's roster, what do you think a possible starting lineup would look like? In other words, you change your nickname from Strong Jaw to Penny. What are you doing? So I'm a little bit shook right now because just before we went on the show, um, Imani Bates went on the field of 68 with with Rob Doster and, and Jeff Goodman, and he told him that he may play point guard at Memphis. And that was a big selling point to him for why he committed to Memphis. Um, here's a, here's a quote um, from one of the Memphis beat writers says definitely huge for me. I've been able to show I can score my whole life going to college. I want to show I can do everything. And Penny is going to help me do that. So I think before I saw that projecting ahead, I'm thinking, okay, Memphis, Memphis is going to use Monty Bates as a wing scorer, kind of like a, a Brandon Boston or a Zaire Williams, it but better I, go better than better go better than those guys went. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hopefully. Um, but now, you know, I, I think Memphis has something here where the, I think they can unlock a part of his game that on tape has has been there for a long time. He's a he's a really good, crafty ball handler who can really create um, his his game as a scorer. Obviously, is predicated on him being able to create his own space and create his own shot he does that at a really high level. He's a good off the dribble shooter. Um, Some of the shot selection is not great, but he is able to kind of use his herky jerky moves in his, in his tight handle to really get into the paint and be disruptive. So 
if, if Memphis is going to use him in that way, I think that unlocks a lot of potential lineup constructions. If I am Penny Hardaway, I think that is really, really interesting. Now, next season, I'm not entirely sure Imani Bates is just going to be Cade Cunningham. He's not going to have like a 30% usage rate or anything crazy. I don't, I don't think he's that level of a creator, but being able to use him at least as a sometimes creator, I think is going to be really, really fascinating. There, there's a lot of guys on this roster that are returning that I think are pretty good playmakers overall. And so um, you, you, if you, if you're using Imani Bates as like the one or the two uh, Jalen Dern, I think is, is going to play, you know, at center um, DeAndre Williams is probably going to play a power forward spot. And you've got, you know, Landers Nolly and Lester Quinones who are going to fill up those other spots and then add in the transfers um, with, with Earl Timberlake and with Alex Lomax, um, there, there is a lot of potential ways that this roster can be used. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back to you because I, I'm not entirely sure how this roster will look, but it does feel a little bit like there's so much talent that Penny could end up almost using, I don't want to use platoon system, but kind of like a platoon system where they're so deep with talent that, um, I don't feel like he's going to be locked into, okay, these are my five. I have to ride these five because he's going to have six or seven or eight guys that really are, are starting caliber division one players who obviously, because you can only play five players um, are, are just not going to end up starting. So it's going to be a pretty fascinating situation. I think. Well, I don't know that they'll go platoon, but yeah. what, what I do think is it, it should be known is that they play at such a fast tempo that nobody plays a crazy amount of minutes. Like on last year's team, Landers Nolly led the team in minutes played per game, 27.4. And I would imagine it's going to be something like that again. It's not because Penny is committed to playing 11 guys or anything like that, but at the pace at which he wants you to play and the intensity he wants you to use on defense. And remember Memphis, ranked number one in the entire country and adjusted defensive efficiency last season, incredible defensive team with the, it's very hard to guard at that level and play at that pace. So they got to use a lot of guys and nobody plays an incredible amount of minutes. Like if you want to play 35 minutes a game, Memphis is not the place for you. The leading minutes per game guy last year was Landers Nolly at 27.4. So a lot of guys are going to play and there'll be a lot of different lineup combinations. I had heard in recent weeks that one of the selling points for Memphis to Imani Bates was, hey, Penny Hardaway is one of the greatest big point guards in the history of the world. And he is. For people who are young, too young to remember, I would encourage you to, anytime you're bored, go look up Penny Hardaway highlights on YouTube. He was incredible for a short period of time because injuries robbed him of his ability. But he was first team All-NBA as a second year NBA player, like that's outrageous, but that's how gifted he was. And he is undeniably one of the greatest, you know, big, tall point guards of all time. And so one of the selling points from Evans is, Hey, Imani Bates, come learn from that guy. He can help you expand your game. So I do think Imani Bates will play point guard at Memphis some, but I do not think that the plan is for my Imani Bates to be Memphis's point guard. Uh, the truth is, if you're looking for a flaw with this roster that is immensely talented, it's that they only have one natural point guard on the roster. It's Alex Lomax. And though Alex Lomax has started games and 
you know, does have a role on this team. The truth is he's, he's limited, you know, he's, he's small and he's a non-shooter. And so if you're Memphis and you're trying to get your best players on the court, I say this with all due respect to Alex Lomax, who's an outstanding young man. Um, your best players on the court don't involve Alex Lomax. You know, he has different points in his career played, you know, around 20 minutes per game. He probably needs to be around a 10 minute per game player on a great team. And I would imagine that's what this looks like this season. So the question becomes, all right, if you're not going to play Alex Lomax at point guard, he's your only natural point guard. What are you doing? And my understanding is they're going to, it's going to be a point guard by committee. You know, they, they just want players to be able to just get the ball across half court and then get us into our offense. And there's some thought that Amani Bates can do that, but Amani Bates won't be the only guy doing that. You know, Amani Bates is going to do it. Some Lester Kenyon is going to do it. Some uh, Landers Nolly might do it. Some it, it very much is going to be a point guard by committee, but Memphis is going to try to be special without a natural point guard. And if you're looking for reasons why this might get bumpy, um, that's probably the place to start. You know, I, I, I've talked about this before. If this were the NBA, I would package I would package Landers Nolly and Earl Timberlake for Andrew Nimhard. You know, you like, yeah, like, okay, an experienced run your team point guard who's already won at a high level. Like, give me that guy. So I do a, all right, I'll give you Landers Nolly and Earl Timberlake. You send me back Andrew Nimhard. And now we've got Andrew Nimhard, Lester Quinones, Amani Bates, DeAndre Williams, Jalen Duran. Let's go. As you know, that's not allowed in college basketball. So Memphis is going to try to win at a high level without a high level natural point guard. And that's the biggest question mark. But, you know, watching Amani Bates try to do it is going to be interesting. Whether it'll go well, I don't know. But that's that's my understanding of the plan get our best five players on the court as much as possible and use a point guard by committee um, approach. And so one possible lineup starting lineup would be Lester Quinones, Landers, Nolly, Amani Bates, Deandre Williams, Jalen Duran. And then you've got Earl Timberlake who again, projected by some as a first round pick coming off your bench, Chandler Lawson, who's been in the rotation for two years at Oregon outright pac 12 championship teams Coming off your bench, Josh Minot, top 50 freshman coming off your bench, Alex Lomax, somebody who started games for you coming off your bench, Tyler Harris, who was a rotation player, first at Memphis, then at Iowa State, now he's back at Memphis coming off your bench, and Jonathan Lawson, who reportedly has been really good in preseason workouts, he's coming off your bench as well. This is one of the deepest and most talented teams in the country, but they are missing a natural point guard. That opens up an opportunity for Amani Bates. We'll see how it goes. And that makes me really, really nervous. Here's a, here's a recent example of a number one recruiting class enrolled in college that deployed a similar system. And it was last year at Kentucky. Had the number one overall recruiting class in America, led by five stars, Terrence Clark and, and Brandon Boston. They, they didn't really have much creation at the point guard spot. They used Devin Askew quite a bit. They used Davion Mintz quite a bit. It, they really didn't have anyone who was able to stick at that spot. Last season, Kentucky went 9-16, and 16, by the way. Um, it, it didn't quite work. The pieces didn't quite fit. 
I think Memphis, for many different reasons, will be much, much better than Kentucky was last season. But the fact that they really don't have a go-to guy at the point guard spot, I think is worrisome. I do feel like they have enough guys that they can kind of patch this thing together. But uh, I, I think that is you know, a real concern going into the season. They're going to have to find guys who are going to create. And I think a challenge for Penny will be creating an atmosphere of sharing because there are so many guys on this team between Imani Bates and Jalen Duran, who, you know, let's face it. I think they they've always been kind of their guy on their team. They're going to have to learn how to play with one another. They're going to have to play selfless. And that has always been the challenge, at least, you know, going back to several years with, with Calipari at Kentucky, where they bring in guys who have been alphas at their previous destinations in high school, they have to grow and learn together and to play together. Um, I think next season at Memphis, that is going to be a really, really hard thing for Penny Hardaway and the staff to be able to do. Talent-wise, I don't think there's any questions here. It's just how these pieces fit and do they have enough playmaking on the perimeter to kind of make this thing go. And the stuff you're stressing right now is stuff that I know they're stressing to that locker room. You know, I, I was told that Larry Brown – has already talked extensively to that roster about Ben Wallace. Hey, I coach Ben Wallace. We won an NBA title. He's a Hall of Famer. We didn't run anything for him. He just rebounded, rim protected, guarded. We didn't run anything for him, and we won a championship, and he's in the Hall of Fame. What does that tell you? You can win a championship and go to the Hall of Fame, and your team doesn't run anything for you. They're stressing that. Somebody's going to take more shots than somebody else. That's just the way basketball works. But what is your goal? Is your goal to win and go to the NBA? You could do that without taking all the shots, without even taking most of the shots, without even taking a lot of shots. You tell the Ben Wallace story, which I'm told they're already telling. And then here's another one that I don't know they're using, but it's one that I would use. It's one of my favorite facts about the 2012 Kentucky National Championship team. Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist went first and second in the 2012 NBA draft. They were fourth and fifth in shots attempted per game on that Kentucky team. Fourth and fifth in shots attempted per game. NBA scouts are very sophisticated. They don't need to take watch you take 15 shots a game to, to project what you can be at the next level. Be a winner. Be a part of something. Be coachable. And if your talent suggests you'll be in the NBA, I promise you it will have nothing to do with how many shots you got a game, how many points per game. You, you, you scored like Zaire Williams had a terrible freshman season mm-hmm. was still a top 10 pick. Uh, Kai Jones has never done anything in college basketball was still a first round pick. Everything NBA people need to see, they can see without you scoring, without you shooting for the most part. And so if you're Penny Hardaway, Larry Brown, Cody Topper, Rashid Wallace, you're, you're stressing that we've all been where you guys are trying to go. We're telling you what's important and what's not. Don't get focused on the stuff that's not important. Focus on the things that we're telling you are important. And I do think that message coming from four people who have worked in that league or played in that league probably resonates a little better than it would resonate if it were coming from somebody else. Let's get out of here on this. And somebody asked me, not who's going to be the best teams in college basketball, but like the most watchable teams. Like, I can't wait to see how this goes. Um, name those teams, list those teams. And I think off the top of my head, Coach K's final team 
like that's going to be a big story. It's Coach K's final team, and they're a legitimate national title contender with Paulo Bencaro. I think Gonzaga, having the preseason national player of the year and the possible number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft, and they're not the same people. One is Drew Timmy. The other is Chet Holmgren. That's a team that's incredibly watchable. But I don't know that anybody else would rank ahead of Memphis, and I'm not sure those two would rank ahead of Memphis. When you're talking about, oh, boy, I want to see how this goes. Because, I mean, just think about this for a second. If I would have told you this three years ago, strong jaw, or told you this five years ago, when Penny Hardaway is a high school coach in Memphis, what if I told you this? We're going to be heading into the 2021-22 season. Penny Hardaway will be the head coach at Memphis. His assistants will be Larry Brown, Rasheed Wallace, and Cody Toppert, and he will enroll the number one recruiting class in America led by two five-star consensus top five prospects, one of whom is from Michigan and the other one from Philadelphia. Like, none of it makes – it's all crazy. Like, we've been talking about this so much that it doesn't – sort of seems normal now. But, like, Penny Hardaway coaching his alma mater with Larry Brown, Rasheed Wallace, Cody (laughs) Toppert on staff, and two of the top five prospects in America who have no connections to Memphis whatsoever coming to Memphis is – it's ridiculous. It's bananas. Uh, It's awesome. Uh, I feel like Memphis is just a spectacular spectacle that I will not be able to look away from next season. I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to work. If it doesn't work, I still will be heavily interested. um, If for no other reason that I think it's just going to be fantastic there, the amount of characters involved in this story is, is really, really interesting. I would throw, I would definitely throw Memphis at the top of that list. Duke is going to be in there because of the Coach K storyline and because of Paolo Bancaro. Um, I would throw Purdue in there as a Jaden Ivy hype train conductor. Uh, that team is going to be really, really interesting to watch. Alabama will be one of the most fascinating teams to watch as well, just because Nate Oates, that style of play, can they repeat as SEC champions? But yeah, I mean, Memphis has got to be right near the top, if not at number one, just because of so many interesting pieces between the transfers, the returning players, the NBA talent, any stinking Hardaway. I mean, this is uh, this is going to be really, really interesting to watch next season. It'll be among the biggest stories in basketball, regardless of how it goes, because if it goes well, wow. And if it doesn't go well, well, Super wow. <laughs> so either, either way, it'll be a, it'll be a constant topic in college basketball and on this podcast uh, throughout the season, whether it goes brilliantly or not. But I'm with you and evidence that I'm with you is I've moved Memphis to number seven in the top 25 and one. Um, I think they're going to be great. They've got the type of talent and roster balance that you usually need to be great. I'll be surprised if they're anything short of that. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Ellis Kidd legend shouts to Lauren now and thank you guys and gals for listening once again to the island college basketball podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime it really is it is the dumbest one by far and i'm at the point where with all these variants and uh, uh these people dying every day without getting their shot it, it it's become i think undeniably the dumbest pandemic of anybody's lifetime hang in there as best you can if you're not subscribed you please. you know what i had it scheduled all seriousness had it scheduled. And then I, um, I to my doctor and I was scared not to get the shot. I can't wait to get the shot. I didn't want, I'm just being completely transparent here. I didn't want there to be any perception of me jumping line Mm, and doing something I'm not supposed to do. 
but I had actually signed up to go get a third shot because I'm six months past my second shot, but they're saying, don't do it till eight. Eight. Yeah. And team I did Pfizer or no? Oh, I'm team Pfizer, baby. Yeah. I'm FDA. I'm FDA fully approved. And so I, I want, I want the shot. Like I would take the shot into my eyeball right now. I want to be, I want to be super vaccinated, super duper vaccinated. I want to be the most vaccinated person on the planet, <laughs> but I don't want to do anything wrong or not wrong, but anything that I'm not supposed to do. I don't want to, cause you know me, I can't stop bragging about my vaccination status. So I don't want to be out there going, I got my booster already. And people are like, but it's only been six months since you got your second shot. You're breaking the rules, GP. I don't need that kind of controversy in my life. So I'm going to hold off on my booster shot, but I can't wait to get it. Your boy got triple vax, bro. You're triple vaxxed already. Let's go. Yeah. How about that? Congratulations. I had to go to do chemo. So they were worried that, you know, some of my antibody levels and my protection was low. So got and, to uh, do that a little bit early. Yeah. Well, before we get out of here, just on that, because I don't know that we've ever talked about it on the uh, podcast. It's been a hard year and a half for everybody, but especially for you. And I think anybody who follows you on Twitter um, knows that, you know, you were diagnosed with cancer and you've had to go through treatment, but just to update people, um, you're doing great now. Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, so I'm a few months removed from chemo. Um, we'll have scans next end of next month, um, to see kind of how the, the chemo did, I guess, fighting the cancer and how well my body responded. Um, I'm growing my hair back. I feel as good as I did before the cancer, um, had surgery to remove the, the mass, and, um, so yeah, I mean, um, um, things are good here, obviously, um, it'd be ideal if I did not have cancer, but, uh, hoping for, for good news. And I think if, if the appointment next month goes well, they will be, I think, considering me in remission. So hoping that, uh, that we get new, good news there. It's been, it's been pretty stressful, uh, going from appointment to appointment, just kind of, uh, living life on the edge of anxiety and, uh, and worry. Um, when, when you hear that you have cancer, I think, uh, naturally just every appointment is just, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, but, um, yeah, things are good, man. I appreciate you, uh, asking and, and you've been great throughout all this and you and Norland are both. So I should give you guys both a shout out because I don't think people realize how, um, Obviously, you guys are hilarious and entertaining, but you guys are, are great dudes and and good friends. And um, everyone at CBS has just been super great. Um, dealing with this has been really tough, but having the support of of my work friends, of, of you and Norlander, Adi Joseph, Adam Silverstein, Marcus Nelson. I mean, the whole the whole team, David Cobb, have um, have just been really outstanding. And uh, a shout out on a podcast is feels just like clearly not enough, but, uh, I appreciate you guys. And, and, uh, it's, it's been tough, but you guys have made it a little bit better. It's literally the least we could do. It's just a terrifying <laughs> thing to hear. I mean, you're a young guy with a beautiful young wife and, uh, you know, a, a beautiful, you know, young child and everything's going and then boom, and you're just rocked by this news. And I know that it happens to somebody, lots of somebody's every single day, um, but boy, I imagine it's hard to find comfort in that when it's you being told, Hey, your seemingly perfect life has now really hit 
a scary bump in the road. Um, it just, it made me sick when I heard it, which obviously doesn't even compare to what it does to you or your wife or your parents or anybody who, who's um, super close to you. So um, I was always optimistic, you know, that things would go well because the numbers are in your favor. We've, we've mm-hmm. come a long way with these types of things, but um, you know, it's still an incredibly scary thing. So Every time I check in with you and hear good news or anytime you post good news, like it, it made my day better um, because uh, nobody deserves to have to go through this and, and live life scared, you know, not knowing whether you're going to be able to to raise your child or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but but too many people do have to go through it. And anytime it's somebody, you know, I know and care about who it just it, it rocks me. And so. I'm just glad everything's going well. And I know that, you know, it's never, you know, you know, there's always the risk of whatever, but to hell with all that, let's focus on now. Things are good right now. And uh, that's awesome news. And I appreciate you being here on such short notice because we did not think we were podcasting tonight, I know, but here we are. I appreciate you uh, not giving me the, uh, the one that uh, nickname or, or Uno or something like that. You've no, stuck no. with strong drought through all of this. And so uh, shouts to you, by the way. I mean, that's I, uh, a, it's a low hanging fruit. You easily could have gone there, but um, so far all my friends have stayed away. I think it's funny. Um, but, but uh, yeah, no one, no one has gone there yet. Well, Maybe I, a few years removed from this, it will, uh, it will stick with me. <laughs> yeah. There's um, very few things that I think are off limits when it comes to goofing around. <laughs> It feels like cancer is one of them. It feels like cancer is one of them. You just don't, you don't make light of that. So it never even occurred to me to come up with a cancer related nickname. And uh, I promise you, I'll stay completely away from it again. I appreciate you being here, buddy. And uh, if you guys aren't subscribed yet to the Island College Basketball Podcast, please go do that. You can do it anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, if you can, Uh, leave us a five-star review some nice comments that stuff really does make a difference and so many of you thousands of you have been great about doing that but uh the more the better so if you got a few seconds knock that out and we'll talk to you again real soon till then take care